Be sure to check out Sylvie's Love, now on Amazon Prime Video. Set in Harlem in the 1950s, a young woman meets an aspiring saxophonist in her father's record shop, and their love ignites a sweeping romance that transcends the changing times. Watch Sylvie's Love, directed by Eugene Ash, starring Tessa Thompson and Namdi Asamoah, and produced by Moth Board member Gabrielle Glore on Amazon Prime Video. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and this week we have a story from the Moth's community program. That's the part of the Moth where we partner with neighborhood organizations and community groups for storytelling workshops. So we collaborated with Upstream Arts in the Twin Cities, which uses the arts to amplify the voice and also the choice of individuals with disabilities. And that's where we met today's storyteller, Drew Sieplinga. Even though Drew told this story for an audience of about 15 or 20 people at the final share of the workshop, you're going to notice that there's no applause at the beginning or the end of Drew's story, and there's a good reason for that. The sound of clapping is too grating for folks who are hypersensitive to sound, so at this particular workshop, the audience was instructed to rub their hands together, which makes this kind of just gentle shh type of sound. It's really kind of amazing. Take a listen. Here's Drew live at the Moth. I love words. Um, For as long as I can remember since I was a little kid, I have loved word games and word puzzles and books and reading and stories. Um, And as I got older and went into high school, my love of words and reading became a fascination and love of language itself. I love that the rules are constantly changing and flowing with our own usage of it. It's almost like a living organism, but one that we have all created together and are constantly creating. But it was also in high school when my fascination was growing that my relationship with language became much more complicated. It was during my very favorite class in high school when I was 16, etymology, of course, (laughs) that I had my first seizure in front of people. And I found out later that I, or I realized later that I had been having seizures before, but they were always when I was in bed reading, so no one ever saw them. So I never knew that's what they were until I had it in school. Um, And after that, I had more seizures through high school. I had epilepsy officially and uh, through college. And as time went on, I, and I had more and more seizures, I started to notice two things about, about them. One was that, before, every time I had one of these big seizures, a tonic-clonic, formerly known as grand mal seizure, um, they were preceded by these tiny little jerks in my jaw and my neck, and they would kind of make me stutter and forget words and have trouble coming up with words. Um, and they would get faster and faster and closer and closer together uh, until they turned into one of these big seizures. And the second thing I noticed was that those little jerks Uh, would get faster and faster when I was reading or writing or doing anything related to words, speaking even, (laughs) telling a story, for example. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) Um, But every time I had been noticing these things, but every time I brought them up to a neurologist and I had three or four by the time I was in my early 20s, um, they would say, no, that doesn't exist. That's not a trigger for epilepsy. That doesn't happen. And they would say, those little jerks, we can't see them on the EEG, so that's not anything related to epilepsy. That's just 
coincidence and it's stress. And I knew it was true, but I also started to feel like I couldn't trust myself and I couldn't trust my own brain. It felt like it was pulling me towards language at the same time as it was pushing me away from language and words. And, and I couldn't believe my own brain and I was fighting with it all the time. And so I had to trust these experts who told me what was really happening was not language related. I remember that it started to come to a breaking point when I was after college and I was working at a book publisher um, <laughs> in editorial. And in my job, I read constantly and I had to proofread and edit and do a lot of stuff with words. I was with words all the time. Um, and I started having more and more, not just of the little jerks, but also of seizures. And I remember this moment so clearly, I'll never forget it. Um, I was at my desk in my office playing a word game on the computer, <laughs> as I did every day. I was, I'm sure, supposed to be working, but it was procrastinating. And the game was called Foul Words, and it's F-O-W-L because there are six chickens at the top of the screen, and uh, each chicken is dropping eggs, and the eggs each have one letter on them, and you have to try to make them into a word by the time they hit the bottom of the screen. It's kind of a little stressful, but really because <laughs> the eggs start going faster and faster and faster. So I was playing this game, and I was having these little jerks, and I would play for a little while, and the jerks would get faster and faster and closer and closer together, so I'd pause it, and I'd look away, and I'd look over here and not look at any words for a minute until they stopped happening. And then I would turn around and I would unpause it and play again until they came faster and faster and closer and closer and pause it again. And I did this, I don't know how many times. All of a sudden, I feel my head jerk back and it's very painful and everything freezes and I can't see anything because my eyes go up into my head and I hear this awful, loud, guttural noise coming from like a hurt animal. And in the split second that I realized that that animal is me, everything stops. And the next thing I remember, I'm crying and afraid, and there's these faces around me that I don't recognize, and I don't know where I am. I don't know my own name. I don't know what happened. And I found out later that um, the woman who sat outside of my office had heard that large guttural sound and come in and found me on the floor and the eggs were still dropping on the screen. <laughs> so everybody who came in knew that I hadn't been working. <laughs> but So that was the beginning of when I started having more and more seizures at work and they became more frequent and my boss was wonderful and amazing and supportive but it was just, the reality was that I couldn't, I couldn't work there every day having these seizures. So I took a disability leave for three months and came back and thought, I'm never gonna have another seizure again at work. And that wasn't true, I had more and more seizures again. And finally kind of realized that even though these doctors didn't believe that this was word related, I had to face reality and realize that I couldn't do this job anymore, even as much as I loved it. And as much as I loved being around these books and these words, I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped and I moved to Amsterdam where my mother lived. And um, it was there that I met a neurologist who was the first neurologist who believed me when I said that these jerks were related and that they were all related to language. Um, and I couldn't believe it. She said, I've never heard of this before, but I believe you, and let's do testing to try to figure it out. And so we did a video EEG for 12 hours, and for one hour I would read a Dutch book. Every time I had a little jerk, I would raise my finger. And, then for an hour, I would not read anything and do the same thing. Um, 
about it when it happened when I wasn't reading. Um, and so after, when I went back to get the results, I remember sitting across from this doctor and she said, well, I've never heard of this before, but I can see, I can see that you are right. It's related to language because every time you put your finger up, I saw an epileptic spike and they only happened while you were reading. Um, and I just burst into tears uh, with just relief. I thought I would be so devastated to find out that that was really true because I thought it would separate me from words for the rest of my life and I would never be able to be around them anymore. But it was actual relief. And just knowing that I could believe my own body, I could trust myself. And since then, I've become just more and more fascinated with my own brain in the same way that I'm fascinated with language, um, to the point that I'm, it's like embarrassing how fascinated I am with my own brain. <laughs> and uh, like I would have pictures of my brain hanging on the wall if I could. <laughs> but I've realized that instead of keeping me from language, it's actually kind of deepened my knowledge and appreciation for language um, because I can see how it interacts so clearly in a different way. Um, and I'm actually kind of lucky that my epilepsy is located where language is because I'm so fascinated by it. Um, and, I've, and now I run a bookstore, so I'm still around <laughs> words. But I think the difference is that I've learned to work with my brain and to trust it and to understand when I need to stop everything and not read for a while or not talk for a while. And so I'm working with it. And I've realized that, you know, I used to not trust myself and not trust my own brain, and so I trusted the experts. But now I know that the expert is me. Thank you. That was Drew Sieplinga. Drew still works at the same children's bookstore she mentioned in her story with a very understanding boss and a team of coworkers that includes birds, cats, tarantulas, fish, and ferrets. And she's passionate about making books and bookstores accessible and inclusive. We often hear about extraordinary circumstances here at The Moth, but we had so many follow-up questions for Drew after listening to that story. So we called her to discuss life after her diagnosis. So now I go to a doctor who is an epilepsy specialist, so she's an epileptologist. And it was actually really exciting because when I went there for the very first time and I filled out the forms, the paperwork, there was a list of things. One of the thing, one of the questions I had to answer was, "Do any of the below things trigger seizures for you?" And one of the things was reading, and I like my heart kind of dropped out of my chest when I saw that because I thought, "Oh my God! Not only will they believe me, but they actually have heard of this before." Um, so now I have a doctor who has heard of it and she studied it before, um, and I actually have language and praxis epilepsy. So it's, um, I've found out uh, probably since I told the story that it's not only really reading that triggers the seizures, it's also any kind of like higher level thinking. So like doing any kind of math equations in my head or problem solving, things like that, as well as reading, writing and speaking. I mean, it was, it was kind of amazing just, first of all, just to be believed in the first place, but to have a diagnosis that was so specific to me was really helpful because um, it gave my doctor like a starting place from, for what kind of medicines to try. With the help of her new doctor, Drew was able to find the right medication and she says that it's greatly improved her quality of life. 
Even though reading is still hard for Drew, she's found other ways to work with her disability and her love of language. I do my best to like stay away from word games now. <laughs> uh, even though that's hard because I love word games uh, and I try not to play Scrabble. So I listen to a lot of audiobooks. It's It's been a process and I had to really learn to stop myself because I think I was having more seizures because I couldn't stop myself from reading. Um, but now that I've discovered a love of audiobooks, that helps a lot. That was Drew Sieplinga. You can learn more about the bookstore Drew works at, aptly named Wild Rumpus, Upstream Arts, and the Moth's community program all on our website, themoth.org. That's it for us this week on the Moth Podcast. Until next time, from all of us here at the Moth, have a story-worthy week. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.